Psalm 97 says this about the majestic king. Listen, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coasts and islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. All the people see his glory. All who serve carved images, those who boast in idols will be put to shame. All the gods must worship him. Zion hears and is glad. And the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted above all the gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly ones. He rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light dawns for the righteous. Gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in Yahweh, your righteous ones, you righteous ones, and praise his holy name. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for reading that, Dad. That was... Uh, Planned but unscripted. Some of y'all got that. Kids, you guys can go on out. And Lord, we just speak a blessing over the children as they go out. Uh, we just ask that we say, uh, let them have ears to hear, eyes to see. We bless those that are teaching them this morning. And uh, we just ask that this would be a powerful time for them. It would continue to form them into earth changers, kingdom aligners. <clears throat> the reason I said that was planned but unscripted, dad didn't, I didn't plan that. I didn't ask dad to read that. He said, I have a scripture. He, said, he asked me if I was good, if I was ready. And he said, I got a scripture if you're not. And I said, no, I'm good, but what's the scripture? And I started reading it and I realized, oh yeah, that needs to be read. Because I want to read another, we're going to read a bunch of scripture this morning. <clears throat> We're going to read, I don't think I gave you this one, Matt, but uh, Revelation 4, verse 2. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. I just want you guys to just think about and listen as I, as I read this. There's something powerful when we read the Word out loud. In fact, I told Tim this morning, I haven't even had a chance to talk to other folks, but I think that God is moving us, I think, that I heard from the Lord. It could have been what I ate, but I think that we need to have a day, at least one day a week, where someone is up here just reading Scripture out loud. Whether people come and, and, and are part of that or if it's just one person and you're by yourself, I think we may be moving into a season where we're just up here reading scripture out loud at least one day a week. Um, but anyway, so y'all just, just, just put yourself in, in just uh, a mode where you, you, maybe you close your eyes, you don't have to read along with me, um, and just try and picture what is being said 
in these verses. Immediately I was in the spirit and a throne was set there in heaven. One was seated on the throne and the one seated looked like Jasper and Carnelian, I think that's how you say it, stone. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. Around that throne were 24 thrones and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads, flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. Does that sound familiar? We just heard it in the other passage. Flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were in the middle and around the throne. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, worship the one who lives forever and ever, and cast their thrones before the thro- their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of you will they exist and were they created. Then I saw in the right hand, I told you we're reading a lot. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. And I cried and I cried because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, stop crying and look. The lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made the king, uh, them a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. Ah, That's a mic drop moment right there. 
Listen, you have to understand as far-fetched, as far out, as, as crazy as these words seem, I can promise you this doesn't even begin to capture what is happening in the heavenly realms. This is man's language. It's dumbed down for us. It sounds crazy, but I'm telling you right now, we don't even fully grasp the awesomeness of God and the worthiness of the lamb who was slaughtered and who made us a kingdom of priests. We don't even grasp it. We barely have a glimpse. Papa Jack, Jack Taylor I'm quoting him because he, he quoted someone else and I don't remember who he was quoting, so I'm just going to quote him because he's my closest source. You can tell I've been in school trying to cite everything. He said that one time he asked someone to come speak and he was hoping that this would be a, 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 a shift in, in the kingdom, that there was, there was going to be a revival and this stuff. And he had this person, I can't remember who it was, that came to speak. And they spent a whole entire day speaking about just the complete and utter depravity of man, the sinfulness of man. I recognize when I say depravity of man, there's connotations that go along with that. But he just started speaking, or he or she, I can't remember who it was. But Papa Jack's telling the story. And he said for the whole day, this person just be, just spoke. Do you remember who it was? I don't. Spoke for a whole entire day. I think that's who it was. Uh, for the entire day, she spoke about just the complete and unworthiness of man. And Papa Jack, he's like, he's talking about this and he's saying, you know, I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, I thought we were going to have revival and this person's just speaking about nothing, just making us feel like a bunch of worthless things. And then the next day she came and she spoke for an entire day about the awesomeness of God. And when Jack asked her, why? She said, because when we become aware of our worthlessness and his awesomeness, then revival happens. Because then we are poised to allow him to be the one doing the work through us. And so church, I just want to say, we need to be more aware of his awesomeness and our worthlessness. I love that we have songs that tell us about him leaving the 99 to find the one. But see, the problem is sometimes we just get a little too comfortable with God. We think, oh, yeah, it's okay. I can live in this because he's going to come get me. He is calling us to obedience and righteousness. He is holy. He is set apart and he's calling us to be holy, church. We're a little too comfortable with the one who shed his blood to make us a kingdom of priests. We're a little too comfortable with the only one in heaven and earth that was worthy. See, we don't, re- we don't like to, Timothy kind of spoke on this. This message, I didn't do a disclaimer this morning. I may at some point. I don't really know what all is going to happen this morning. I think this message is going to be a little eclectic. It's gonna, I'm pulling from a whole lot of things. I'm probably going to be speaking for the next two weeks. I think, I don't know. I may not. We'll see. I may get it all done today. If anything that I say today offends you because you're like, I already got that. I don't need it. Then pray that everybody else gets it so we can move on. At least pray that I get it so I can move on. Because a lot of this is going to seem repetitive from the last few times that I've spoke. 
This is what, this is coming out of what God's doing in my life. I'm just bringing you on my journey. And so if you're tired of hearing this, then pray for me or pray that everyone else gets it so we can move on. See, he's calling us into something, church. We're moving into something. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a theme over the last year. I think if we went and traced it, we would see this theme. And if you're new here today, this is your first time, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to help you get what you have missed. Where's David? Saucy, are you outside? You right there? Stand up for me. Bro, God is going to give you the wisdom of Solomon. As you research and you find things to make sports equipment and everything else, you're going to find things in nature and he's going to give you the wisdom of Solomon. And there's going to be people from around the world that are going to come to hear your wisdom that's from God. And you are going to be an earth changer because God is going to give you things. He's going to give you the ability to see into the kingdom. And you're going to be able to take the things that he's created and you're going to join in his creative purpose and you're going to use them to help change the world. And it's not for the sake of changing and helping us be able to do things in athletics or or anything else. It's because it's going to draw people to him. That's yours. That's a word. Ah, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's not here, but Zach McKissick, if you come back and listen to this, I had a dream about you this morning. I don't know what it means, but I, I, and I, I, It would seem like I shouldn't share it because he's not here. But the Lord is trying to teach me obedience. And I feel very strongly that I'm supposed to share it right now. Zach, you had a limp in your right leg. And and I prayed for you. And you were healed. And uh, I don't know if that's actual, if your leg's hurting today. I don't know what's going on. But I prayed for you and healed. And then I felt like the Lord said, Zach, Zach, you are passionate for him. You, you, he's calling you to return to the deeds that you did before. When you first got saved, the Lord was doing something radical in you and you were, uh, you were changing the very landscape around you. And he's calling you back to that, Zach. You are going to be changing the very landscape around you at your workplace. It's not about being on a mission field because your mission field is this job that God has given you. He's ordained you for this purpose and you're going to change the shift that you're on and it's going to change the company that you're at. That's for you, Zach. Ah. I don't even remember where I was going. As I was saying, uh, I think this is going to be a little bit of an eclectic message, obviously. I don't even know if I'd call it a message. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a sign act. I think it's a demonstration of the power of God. And I think he's wanting us to catch something, church, because, see, I'm catching it right now. This is me being obedient and stepping out. God has called us to obedience. Let's look at, uh, actually, I got to do something else. Pearson, stand up. Sorry, son. 
This is a man. And I want to recognize him publicly, that he is a man. He is a man. He's an immature man, but he's a man. He and I just spent a few days out in Idaho celebrating the fact that he has become a man. You see, when, when Jesus entered into his ministry, the father spoke something out over him. He blessed him. And so as Pearson, as you have become a man and you're walking into the kingdom, you're walking into your kingdom purpose, I speak a blessing over you, son. I bless you. I am your father and I am so pleased. I'm pleased with all of my kids, Titus, Ariana, Moses. I'm pleased with all of you. But this is for Pearson. This is his moment. I'm recognizing you publicly and I'm blessing you. And I'm saying, I am so proud of you, son. I am so proud of you. And God has big things in store. You are moving into your purpose. You are a man. Everyone begin to treat him like a man because he is one. He's not a kid anymore. He's a man. You can sit down, son. Thank you for being obedient. Oh, man, this is going to wear me out. Thank you, Father. Let's go to uh, let's go to that Samuel passage that I gave you, uh, Matt. I think it's First Samuel fifteen. All right, so Saul, he's the first king of Israel. See, when we talk about obedience, it's, 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 uh, it would seem obvious that we would go to the Old Testament to look into stories about obedience. 1 Samuel 15. This is what the Lord of hosts has said. Saul, Zach, just text me. <laughs> I love you, bro. That's your word, man. That's your word. <laughs> yes. Hey, is your leg hurting? Text me back. Yes or no. <laughs> I'm waiting. Or if he comments, if somebody's watching Facebook Live. Hey, look, I'm telling you right now, we are not bound by time and space, y'all. You may watch this two years from now and the Lord is going to do something in you. Amen. Sorry, but no. Good. It's because I prayed for you last night. Maybe you were going to wake up with it hurting. <sighs> we get so caught up on the results, y'all. We get so caught up on the results. We get so caught up on, well, uh, his leg wasn't hurting. You look kind of like maybe you missed that one. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't care. I was obedient. We can't be obedient based on if we think it's going to create some response. Our obedience cannot be based on what we think is going to happen or not happen. It can't be. So Samuel's talking to Saul and he says, this is what the Lord of hosts says. I witnessed what the Amalekites did to the Israelites. I got so much to do. I'm going to skip down. In fact, I'm just going to tell you the story. Samuel tells Saul to go in and wipe him out, the Amalekites. He says, God's saying, go in, don't spare nothing. Wipe them all out. Everything. The animals, everything. 
Every single thing. Take them out. That sounds like a loving God. <laughs> so uh, Saul goes in. They fight. What happens? Anybody know the story? Nope. Anybody know the story? Spares the king and the animals. Samuel comes, and he's like, hey, I hear sheep bleeding. What's going on here? And what is Saul's response? But I did this for God, see? What I wanted to do is I recognized that there was these, they, they, they killed everything that was worthless. He destroyed everything that was worthless. But the things that had worth, he kept. But he kept it because he wanted to give it to God. He wanted to sacrifice it for the Lord. He wanted to, and so God says through Samuel, I want obedience, not sacrifice. You see, and, and this has bad results on Saul. It has bad results on the trajectory of Israel because of Saul's disobedience. Now let's look at a story where it's a flip side of that. Let's look at Judges 15. This is a triple XR rated story. Judges 20, sorry, thanks. Uh, That's why I'm glad I have you back there, bro. I love you. Judges 20. All right, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to give you too much context on this one. You need to go read that for yourself because this is, there we have a, a mixed audience. This is one of those stories where I'm like, oh, wow, the Bible is dirty. Something really bad happens. Go read it, not with your kids. And then if you decide you want to read it with your kids, then you can read it with your kids. I'll leave that up to you. Uh, But something bad has happened in the area where Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin is, okay? So you've got the 12 tribes of Israel. And something I am realizing more and more is just how fractured Israel was. Like I have always thought that once they came out of Egypt, they were a nation. But they really weren't. They were 12 nations, essentially. 12 little mini countries that were all kind of held together by Yahweh. They were 12 individual tribes. And they were very different. And they had judges as just a story. It's a, it's a bunch of stories that accentuate how fractured the tribes of Israel are. To the point that there is almost a genocide by 11 of the tribes against the tribe of Benjamin. So anyway, 11 of the tribes, this really bad thing happens among the Benjamites. And the other tribes, they come and they're like, hey, you need to deal with this perversion. I'm telling them, you go back and read this story, you're going to be like, wow, now I know why he didn't read it in front of everybody. Hey, Benjamin, you guys need to deal with this perversion that's happening in your country, in your area. Benjamin's like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. So the other 11 tribes, they go before the Lord. And they're like, okay, what do we need to do? We obviously, this, something's got, we got to hold them accountable because they're allowing these detestable things to happen. And so they go and uh, <clears throat> they go, and I should have put the actual verse, I just put the whole chapter, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to read this. All the, so that's the context. All the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead came out, and the community and the community assembled as one body before the Lord at Mizpah. 
The leaders of the people and of all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of God's people, 400,000 armed foot soldiers. The Benjamites, Benjaminites, heard that the Israelites had gone up to Mitzvah. The Israelites asked, tell us how did this uh, outrage occur? The Levite, the, uh, I'm reading too much of the story. I don't want to talk about that part. <laughs> Uh, then all the people stood united and said, none of us will go to, the, to his tent or return to his house. Now this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will go against it by lot. We will take 10 men out of every 100 from all the tribes of Israel and 100 out of every 1,000 and 1,000 out of every 10,000 to get provisions for the people when they go to Gibeah in Benjamin to punish them for all the horror they did in Israel. So they all gather um, they ask God who they should send out. Uh, let's see, where's that part? Verse 18, there it is. Yeah, so they asked, they set out, went to Bethel and inquired of God. The Israelites asked, who is to go first to fight for us against the Benjaminites? And the Lord answered, that's important. The Lord answered, Judah will be first. So they have an opportunity to either obey or not obey, right? They have clear answer of the Lord. Judah will be first. So God is in this. He has given them a directive. You would think, based off of how we interact with God quite frequently, that because God answered, Judah will be first. If they send Judah first, they're going to be successful. Plot twist. The Benjaminites came out of Gibeah and slaughtered 22,000 men of Israel on, that, on the field that day. So they obeyed Lord. They sent Judah first. They obeyed Lord. He answered, said, send Judah. They obeyed him. 22,000 people die. They lost. See, our obedience can't be based on the result. Guess what happens? Israel gathers back and they go up to the mountain. They're like, God, did we miss it? Was it supposed to be one of the other? No, they go back and they said, okay, God, what are we supposed to do now? He says, go back out against them. On the second day, the Israelites, uh, should we again, this is in verse 23. Then they went up, wept before the Lord until evening and inquired of him, should we again fight against our brothers, the Benjamites? And the Lord answered, fight against them. On the second day, the Israelites advanced against the Benjaminites. And that same day, the Benjaminites came out from Gibeah to meet them and slaughtered an additional 18,000 Israelites on the field. All of them were armed men. So it wasn't like they were just going killing the folks in the tents. Like Benjamin just beat the dog mess out of these folks. But they were obeying God. If I obey God, then I'm going to be okay, right? God, if we're supposed to do this, can you just, can you shut the door if we're supposed to not do it? Can you, we start praying these prayers and our obedience is based on the signs we see in the temporal realm as opposed to the word of the Lord. You see, if we base success and our, our obedience off of what the result is, then uh, Jesus was, seemed pretty unsuccessful. He died, right? He had just a small gathering of followers. Yeah, that's not the end of the story. But our obedience cannot be, cannot be based on what we see in this temporal realm. But obedience is just an Old Testament thing. 
See, we take these statements, you know, he, Samuel tells Saul, he says, I value sacrifice or obedience, not sacrifice. Well, then we fast forward to another prophet and he's like, uh, he values uh, mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus even quotes it. He's like, go see what it means to mercy, not sacrifice. So then we're like, yeah, it's all about mercy, guys. And it's okay if we're not obedient because his mercy. And it's okay if we're not, you know, he, he covers our mistakes. And I'm not talking about mistakes, folks. I'm talking about intentional times where we, see, I am a broken vessel. There has been numerous times in my life where I have intentionally gone against the word of the Lord. I have intentionally, I've made the decision to sin. We like to talk about our sin like it's just mistakes. You know, God loves you even with all your mistakes. No, these are intentional times where we go against the Lord and that's what our, that's, that's the mercy, that's the grace, but it doesn't mean that then we just don't obey. It's not, it's not, Paul talks about it, uh, grace with a license to sin. No, obedience is still important. We've got to be obedient. Man, I wish Kelly and Chelsea were here. I just got to, Kelly's, Kelly's in the nursing. Can, can one of y'all go just real quick? I just got a word for him. <sighs> Pretty good. It's okay if it's awkward. It's okay if it's awkward. Thank you for listening and thank you for stepping out. Yeah. You'll have to go back and watch. Just stand right there. You're good. You have to go back, maybe go back and watch for context. But I just wanted, I just felt like the Lord was telling me to speak this over you and Chelsea. You guys are so obedient. You have modeled something, okay? You have been so obedient and your obedience has not been based on what you see in this realm. It seems like you've been unsuccessful and it seems like God's not in this, but he is in this. He's in it. And your obedience, it's a long-term obedience. It's not just a one-time thing and then this. No, as you continue to be obedient in what the Lord has said to you and Chelsea, and this, this is for you too, Chelsea, if you go back and watch this, as you guys continue to be obedient, you're leading us in being obedient regardless of this, this temporal circumstances. And so even though you've had many times where it seems like it's been false starts, those were not false starts. Those were tests of obedience and you've been obedient and you can continue to be obedient and you're going to see eventually the harvest. Continue being obedient. Okay, because you're leading us in that. And if you see that in them, it's yours. You can have it. What you see, I want that. I want to walk in that obedience. And so I'm claiming, this is not name it and claim it. Don't go start spreading rumors, but I'm claiming that. Okay, because I see that you have a kingdom principle that you're walking out and I want it. And so because it's a kingdom principle and I've been able to see into the eternal realm, I can claim what you've got. And so I just did, that's mine. And I can give it to anybody else that wants it. Thanks. You can go back in there. Kelly, Kelly, you got to go back and get the context of that. The word is so powerful. Tied into it. It's right on target. Chelsea, right on target. I, I confirm it. I love you. You're awesome. Both of y'all. Thank you for leading out in that. Let's look at Luke 6, uh, 46. Man, I'm sweating. We'll come preach back there. Are y'all good? Yes. Am I freaking anybody out? 
Okay. What did I say we we're going to? Luke six forty six. Okay. Y'all, it seems like I'm not prepared, but I promise you I'm more prepared than I've ever been. I promise you I'm more prepared than I've ever been. I may not have an outline and I may not have, uh, you know, the, the, the studies and done all these little word searches that I may have been doing in the past, but I promise you I'm more prepared than I've ever been because see, I've been in the mountains. I went to the mountains with Pearson and I'm telling you, something happens in the mountains, y'all. And the Lord has been pouring into me and I am more prepared than I've ever been. I am closer to him than I've ever been. And this is not about me saying, look at me, I'm closer. No, I am worthless. I am not worthy. I could not open those scrolls. I am nothing. He, he, oh man, I am so nothing. This is not about me. This is not about saying you should try to be like me. Please don't. You'll probably be much better if you don't. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Y'all better hold on to your seats because I'm telling you the Lord is taking us somewhere. All right. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? So obedience is obviously not just an Old Testament concept. This is Jesus talking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. Okay, so this story. Anybody know what story we're about to talk about? It's a song. The wise man built his house upon... You know that song? I don't know about y'all, but for my entire childhood up until about... Maybe this morning, last night, I can't remember. I thought this song was talking about, like, if we build our house upon the Lord, we're not going to be shaken, and, and that the Lord, building it on the Lord is building it on Jesus and the truth of who he is and on, you know, the fact that he died for us. All really good things. Don't hear me knocking that. But I'm telling you right now, it's not built just on that. The house, when you, oh, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Oops, there goes my water. <laughs> All right, here we go. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. It's not just about believing in Jesus. This is about obedience. <laughs> he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built disobedient people are the ones that built their house on the sand. Obedient people are the ones that built their house on firm foundation. This is not about just knowing Jesus. And it's clearly not just about following Torah. Torah. The law, because there ain't nothing in Leviticus, Exodus, or Deuteronomy that says anything about wiping out Agag, Agog, and all the sheep, and all that stuff. There's nothing in Torah that says anything about it. There is no law that says anything about it. There is a law that says to be obedient, because it says, Hear, O Israel. <laughs> you remember that time I preached, I preached about <laughs> I, I, some of y'all don't remember this, but I, I spoke about the, 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 the word love, hava, ahava, 
And it was just like miserable. I was like dragging through it. It's that time where I just, it was, hey, guess what? That did not come back void because I'm about to use it right now. That's power. (laughs) The word there, I don't even remember the passage, but this just came to me while I was talking. Uh, What was I saying? Yes, thank you. Uh, Here, Israel, I'm the Lord. That word here, it doesn't just mean listen. It's hearken. It's hear and respond. And the word love the Lord your God there, it's not just like, oh, I love you so much, God. Just, I love you. I just want a big hug. No. It's love that demands a response. And our response is obedience. A few weeks ago, I, I, I talked uh, from uh, Peter first. What, what did I give you? Second Peter. You quoted it this morning, Melissa. He's given everything, given us everything we need for life and godliness. I talked about that passage. That's the same concept of... Hmm. But the one, uh, that's the loop. Can you go to that Peter one? His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. All right, that's good. So we talked about, you guys remember me talking about this one? I skipped a bunch of verses. I went down to the end and it talks about being uh, uh, fruitful or or being ineffective in our uh, use of what God has given us. See, that is love that demands a response. When we recognize that we are completely unworthy, we are incapable of anything and he is so awesome and that he's freed us out of this. He's, He's taken us out of that, out of this decaying world. Then it demands a response and that response is obedience. It's obedience, not just to living a certain way according to Torah, but it's obedience to what he says in this moment. You see, something has shifted from the Old Testament. Yes, obedience is different now than it was in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, they needed prophets and they needed people to come tell them things. But now we have the very spirit of God living in us And he influences us. And Paul talks about that we've been raised. Dad's talked about it recently. We've been raised and we've been seated in the heavenly places with Jesus. And Paul says, I wish that your eyes would be open, your mind would be enlightened to what are the riches of his glory. And I'm not talking about, oh yeah, it's gonna be so awesome in heaven because the streets are gold and it's all this good stuff. No, I'm saying that we have been given riches of glory that we can then go take and we can put it into this place right now and change the very fabric of our communities for the sake of bringing people to him. You see, when we think about escaping from the corruption that is the world, we, we create this eschatology that's more like escapatology. I'm sick and tired. Look, I agree. Yes, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Israel. We need to be praying for the lost in Israel. But we don't need to pray for them any more than we need to be praying for the ones in Palestine or in Laos or Cambodia or anywhere else. Because every tribe and tongue and nation have to come to him. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. This is not just about Israel. And so I don't care what your eschatology is. We already know what we're supposed to be doing. 
We already know. Jesus didn't give these uh, passages about the signs. Dad spoke on this. I'm just basically par- uh, um, plagiarizing what everyone else has been saying for the last few months and putting it all into one big thing. Let's look, look at uh, Matthew 24. Do you guys remember Dad preaching on this? Some of you may not have been here. All right. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places and all these events are the beginning of birth pains. He goes on. Dad talked about this and so I'm not going to preach a big message on it. I just want to bring us back to one little thing. And I thought I highlighted it, but I didn't. So Lord, just take me to where it is if I'm supposed to say it. Dad talked, this isn't what I was looking for, but dad talked about like for, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes, this is verse 27, uh, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the son of man. See, we don't need to worry about like, I, I'm so tired of people talking about end times. I'm sorry if I offended you. I am, I legitimately, I know I come across as being just a gruff person, but, and if I offended you, I'm sorry, let's please talk about this later because I don't want anything between us, okay? So if I offended you by saying that, I'm sorry. I legitimately am, but you're wrong. You legitimately are. If I didn't tell you, then I don't love you. See, if we continue to get so focused up on these signs that Jesus is telling us about, then we miss what he's actually trying to tell us. Now concerning that day, this is verse 36, an hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the son, except the father only. As the days of Noah were, okay, that's not where it was. And I did highlight it. There it is, verse 42. I just didn't go down far enough. Therefore, be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming, but know this. If the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you also must be ready because the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Keep going down. Who then is faithful and sensible slave? Who his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time. That slave whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. I assure you, he will put him in charge of all the possessions. But if that wicked slave says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards, that slave, that slave's master will come on a day he does not expect and at an hour he does not know and he will cut him to pieces. Hey, that sounds kind of like what happened in Judges. You'll read, if you go back and read it. And assign him a place with hypocrites and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what this whole story is about, the signs. It's not about trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. 
And so stop thinking about these wars and rumors of wars and the earth shakes, earthquakes and famines and everything else as, oh, we need to be getting ready. We should have already been ready because we've been given our marching orders. And if we're being obedient, then when he comes back, he's not going to cut us to pieces. And it's not about the results. It's not about saying, okay, well, if God's called us to this, then we would have, it would have worked out this way. No. Maybe 22,000 people have to die. Maybe 18,000 people have to die. But we should continue going back to the Lord and saying, is this what we're supposed to be doing? And if he says yes, we do it. No questions asked. That's obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. But I live a moral life and I'm living. Look, there are people who have no knowledge of God who live moral lives. You can go to the workplace and there's people that look very Christian because our society has, we've, we've, uh, we've grasped the Judeo-Christian ethic and morals, right? And so Torah and much of it, except for the sacrifice and the nasty stuff, a bunch of that is a part of our just everyday life. So you can live a life that looks obedient, but it's still partial obedience because God has called you to something else. He's called you to feed the people. Who then is faithful and sensible slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? We are supposed to be feeding the nations. And we feed them by putting on this powerful display of the God who is present. It's no different than when Moses went against Pharaoh. Those plagues weren't about punishing Egypt. Those plagues were about letting Egypt know that this God, Yahweh, was above all other gods and that he was the God who was present, that he controlled nature, that he controlled every single thing, unlike the Egyptian gods. This was God going against the Egyptian gods. That's what we're still supposed to be doing. We're not going against our people. We're not going against the Palestinians. We're going against the principalities and the powers of darkness that are controlling them. We should be kicking them out. Brent talked about it last week. Don't, we, what have we allowed to come into our, not just our families, but our churches? What parts of the world have we brought into our church? But but it's okay because we're going to make it a sacrifice to God. He commanded us to destroy it all. He's called us to be holy and set apart. He is holy. He is set apart. Therefore, we are supposed to be holy and set apart. So what have we brought into the church that we need to kick out? Just like Brent talked about what he, they kicked stuff out of their family and change happened. Look, if we want to be this, uh, this faithful slave when he returns and it's coming because I agree, we are closer than we were yesterday, but I'm not getting caught up in the signs. I'm getting more and more confident in that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, being obedient. He has called me. He has allowed it. I'm going to talk about this. I'm I'm running out of time. I'm going to talk about this in the coming weeks, about stewardship. And we're going to get into what it means to steward our inheritance and to steward what God has given us. And Tim and I were, and Jake were talking about it at elders meeting. It was just the three of us. Stewardship is a word that the church has co-opted in such a bad way so often. In fact, I don't even think, I think a better word Tim pointed out was management. God has called us to manage, to feed, and to put him on display, and to go up against the gods of this earth. 
Are we stewarding that? Are we managing that? Or are we just saying, well, it's okay because I go to church on Sundays. I go to some prayer meetings and I have a bunch of books and, you know, I, I haven't lied in a long time. I have a, a covenant eyes thing on my computer so I can't look at bad stuff. I'm doing all that. That's not, you're not being obedient to what he's called you to, church. No. See, obedience looks like obedience looks like going out to sunset this weekend. Obedience looks like Tim Cummings has taken, he has, he has rallied troops to go and feed the people in his house. He's going out to sunset to share the gospel, to share the love, and to put the power of God on display. Sunset subdivision. Sunset subdivision. It's this Saturday. What time? 11 to 2. Partial obedience is disobedience. There's a group going out to sunset to put the power of God on display and to call all people to him. Partial obedience is disobedience. You fill in the lines what I'm telling you. I'm pretty sure we should be there. It's not just New Horizons. We should be there. But, but there's, a game. there's not a game, I don't think. Not a good one. But I have other plans. In comparison to what I'm talking about, ain't no game good. But I have other plans. Well, what if Jesus came back Saturday? Where would you want to be? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, y'all, it's time that our actions start lining up with what we say we believe. It's just we keep waiting on the day of the Lord so that we can escape, escape out of this decaying place. We've already been freed from it. Yes, amen. We don't need to wait on him to come back so we don't have to be in this place anymore. We've been given a job. We've been, we're supposed to be being obedient while we're here. We've got to stop with our escapatology. Who cares? I don't care what your eschatological views are, whether it's post, pre, mid, whatever. I don't care. The reality is something is going to happen. And what do you want to be doing when it happens? Do you want to be the one who is feeding the people or do you want to be the one who is not? God has called us to something. At, this is a lot of times when I, when I preach, and I believe that this word is a word for the global church, but there's also stuff in here just for us. But these next couple of weeks, there's going to be more targeted things just specifically for New Horizons. I think he has called us to something. He has given him apostolic anointing, and he's allowed him to see into the, the heavenly realms, okay? And, and a part of my gifting, I have had to repent to him. I had to call him and repent the other day. Because I was not walking in the gifting that I had as a, in a prophetic anointing. He, I'm a, this is going to sound so stuck up. He gives some to be prophets, some to be apostles, and it's for the word. We, oh, they're gifts to the church. Okay? I'm not saying I'm a gift to you, but I am a gift to you. You're welcome. Okay? You're welcome. But here's the problem. I wasn't being a good gift. Because I didn't fully understand. This was, part of it was ignorance. Part of it was lack of faith. Hey, look, Jesus, we stray away from saying stuff that questions faith. But Jesus did it all the stinking time. 
So if you are one that doesn't have mustard seed faith, then you're one of very little faith and you need to get it. It's not about, I think most of the time when Jesus is saying you have little faith, he's actually saying he's doing it nicely and he's saying you have no faith. Because all it takes is faith the size of a mustard seed. And see, sometimes it was because I didn't have faith. Not, not that I didn't have enough faith, I didn't have faith. And so sometimes I have not been operating as a gift to you. And sometimes it's just, that, that is wrong. And then sometimes it was, it was just ignorance. And so I had to call and repent. I repented to him. It wasn't repent from sin like, oh yeah, I've done, these ba- I have done that before. I've had to repent of sin. But this wasn't an instance of that. This was an instance where I had to call and I, say, I had to say, I have not stewarded, I have not managed what God has given me well. Because God has given him, as an apostle, he's given him vision. He's given him vision. It says that the apostles, they're, they're, they're part of the foundation of the church. Jesus is the ultimate foundation. I get that, right? But, but there's, there's something of the apostolic anointing that he carries that it, 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 it keeps us moving. It keeps us grounded. And he has said things. God has given him vision and people have, have spoke things over him that he has then come and spoke here that I, as a prophet, I should, it's... <laughs> I would, I'm supposed to be saying, okay, God, open my eyes to the, key, to the eternal realm. He's got the vision. You're going to give us creative ways. And it's not about me doing this for us. It's about me empowering us to do this. It's about us being able to say, okay, he just gave vision. What is the kingdom value there? And how are we going to be creatively speak that in? How are we going to join in God's creative nature and, and do that as a church? It's not about me doing it for you. It's not about him being the apostle for you. All of us can get this. It's about us equipping the church to do this very thing. Yes, yes. So it's not about me coming up in here and saying, okay, dad said this. And so this is the word of the Lord. And this is how it's going to happen. No, it's about me saying, dad said this. You guys need to be talking to God. Here's how you walk it out. You speak something over someone like David. I did with David or like I did with, uh, with Zach or like I did with Kelly or like I'm about to do with you, Carter, stand up. <laughs> you men of God, you, you workaholic, you, you, you are planting seeds in the kingdom because of your diligence. Every time you go into someone's house, you are restoring it. Sure, restore. You are restoring it. And you are, you are going to, God is going to be making, helping you, using you to restore the broken things, the things that are damaged by flood, the things that are damaged by consuming fire, and it's going to bring it into alignment. You're going to be the one who restores things into kingdom alignment, not you, but the power of God through you so that it will bring all nations to him. Walk in that authority. That's the destiny of your business. Sure, restore. That's what I'm talking about. And you guys, it's not easy. You can sit down. It's scary. I know. It was probably scary going up against Benjamin. But God said, do it, so do it, even if it doesn't hit. We get too caught up in the temporal results. We've got to get more focused on the eternal. And so then it doesn't matter if it doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out. Well, I prayed for them to be healed, and they weren't healed. I don't have an answer for that. There's a bunch of different ways that we can draw. Well, they're going to be healed when they get to heaven, and blah, 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 blah. There's all kinds of different things. We've set up doctrines and all these things. The church goes from one extreme to another extreme to try and justify our lack of experience of aligning with what we read in Scripture that Brent's talked about numerous times. But it's time we stop allowing those things to dictate our belief in the foundation that the Word of God Where are you going to be Saturday, 
Think about it. Pray about it. And if the Lord says you should be there, then you should be there at Sunset Subdivision putting on display the awesome power of God. We have people being sent out to Honduras, to Japan. We don't have the resources to do it. But guess what? God said, do it. We're going to do it. We're going to obey. We might be building a building and we don't even know how to do it. We don't have the money to do it. We can barely pay our bills. And this is not me telling you, you need to give more. It's me saying we need to be living outside of our means. William, where you at? I know you're out there. Hey, that's probably not very uh, good stewardship of living outside of our means. Where you at, William? It's not good stewardship to live outside of our means, is it? But guess what? The kingdom of God is upside down because he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And so even if we're living outside of our means, guess what? He's the one that owns the cattle in a thousand hills. And so if we live according to what he's called us to, then we can conquer giants. Come on. That is managing our inheritance. That is managing what God has given us through Jesus. I'm still in my thunder from next week, and it's already 12 o'clock, but I really don't care. There are two thank you. There are two people that enter into the promised land. The prophecy was for over a million people, but only two entered. Guess which two it was? The ones who obeyed, the ones who saw, they knew there are giants in that place and we can't beat them, but we can because of God. Everyone else scared. Everyone else agreed with the enemy. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. Who's enthroned on their complaints? (laughs) Worship shifts things. And he's been given, he's given us, he's given us creative power. Guess what? There's a whole movement called the law of attraction. And it's from Satan. But guess what? It's based in truth. Because Satan doesn't just boldface lie. He takes something that's true and he twists it a little bit. I believe that we can speak things into existence. God spoke this earth into existence. He spoke, he spoke light. There was light. He spoke things. Energy, frequency transformed the very fabric of everything. And he spoke things into existence. I believe that our voices carry power. And I believe when we look into the eternal realm and we see what God's doing, then we agree with it in this temporal realm, something happens. And it's not about naming it and claiming it so that I can get the fancy car in the house that I want. No, it's about putting the power of God on display so it draws all people to him. Mm. Father, Mm. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm changed. I cannot go back. I will not go back. Hold me accountable because I'm not on a mountain right now. I'm still experiencing the effects of the mountain. (laughs) When Jesus heard that John the Baptist died, he went to the mountain. The next thing you know, he was walking on water. We need to be getting that Sabbath rest. We need to be going to that mountain and we need to be experiencing those downloads from God so that then we can walk in obedience and carry out the job he's given us. I don't know what the response is for today. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it sounds interesting and you want to be more a part of it. Let today be the day of your salvation and let today be the day where you walk out of here changed. Yes. Amen. We will 
go fill up a bathtub somewhere and baptize you because I'm telling you right now, we talk about it being a sign of obedience and us wanting to follow Jesus, but there's so many people that we just say, okay, I'm saved, and then we choose to get baptized when we're ready. No, if he's called you and you've responded, then there's a time and partial obedience is disobedience. So we will get you baptized. You can come out there Saturday and we'll baptize you. But let today be the day of your salvation. If that's you, I'm gonna step out on a limb. There's a small crowd. And I know most of you. But if this is you, if you're saying, hey, today needs to be the the day that I give my life to Jesus and I surrender to him fully, then raise your hand right now. If you don't have the courage for this to raise your hand, then you don't have the courage for what he's gonna call you to. So you better raise your hand. If it's you, and if it's not you, and I make, maybe it's someone on, online, if that's you, put a comment. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day that you enter into that kingdom of priests and that you are given authority to be able to go out and put God on display. If it's you, raise your hand. Don't come up to me after the service. <laughs> Do it now. If it's you, if God is calling you and saying, He's talking to you. He's talking to you. If, if it's you, raise your hand. Thank you. <sighs> What's your name? Father, bless her right now. Oh. Hey, look, all you have to do is confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart. And you will be saved. That's it. You want to pray with her? Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord. Fill her right now. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Now, thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Hey, this is just a glimpse of what God is about to be doing here, y'all. This is just a glimpse. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, sister. Bless you, sister. Amen. Sister. I don't even know you, but we are kingdom family now. Is, that, is this your husband? You have an amazing beard, bro. You guys can sit down. I want that. I mean, that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the military and I can't grow it out very much. I, there was a little, during COVID, I got to grow my beard out. I miss it. I have beard envy. Father, forgive me. <sighs> Lord, thank you. Anybody got a word? What do you think? Is now the time or next week? It fits so well, but it's up to you. Let's do it. I have no idea what she's about to say, but she had a word. She started to tell me. I was like, don't tell me because I feel like the Lord's wanting to stretch me, and so I don't need to know what it is, and he's going to show us what time to do it. And I don't care. I'm sorry. If you've got somewhere to go, go. But if he comes back, I don't know where I'd rather be. (laughs) Just saying. Can we go back to 2 Peter 1, where he was before? Wow. Mm-hmm. 
So last Sunday, I came in the doors, and I looked to my left, and Brent was just getting a coffee. And when he turned around, I could see these rays coming out from behind his head. And he, he almost looked like a, a digital picture, like as if someone take, taken a photo and turned it into a digital image of his face with these, with these rays coming out. And I asked the Lord, when I get a word from the Lord, I just give it back to him. I say, what does this mean? What are you saying? What do you want me to do with this? Usually it's, what does this mean first? And uh, he brought to mind um, verse 18. No, verse 19, sorry. Verse 19 of Second Peter 1. So we have this prophetic word strongly confirmed. You do well to pay attention to it. As to a lamp shining in a dismal place. Until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your heart. Jesus said, I am the bright and morning star. And Peter... So this is Peter, okay? We know different stories of Peter and when he spoke up and said the wrong thing. And Peter is speaking about this out of a place of remembering a time where he really spoke up and said the wrong thing. He was up on the mountain with Jesus and James and John and all of a sudden, our Lord was transfigured, and he was glowing and radiant. And on either side of him were Moses and Elijah. And Peter didn't know what to say, so he said, It's good we're here. Let's build three places of worship. One for Moses, and one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. And then the father spoke and said, this is my beloved son who brings me great joy. And so you asked, what is something that has been brought into our church that we need to be delivered of? And this <laughs> Holy Spirit was showing me that we need to allow the Lord to tear down the temples that we have built up in our church. The temple to the law, Moses, and the temple to the God experience, Come on. Elijah. So I was driving home, and I was, I was praying into this the whole service last Sunday. And I was driving home, and the Lord asked me, what did I teach Moses on the mountain when he saw my glory. And what did I teach Elijah on the mountain when he saw my glory? So I, I went back and looked. Moses said, show me your glorious presence. And the Lord said, no one can see my glory and live, but I will go in front of you and I will show you my back. And this, this is what the Lord said. Yahweh, Yahweh, he spoke his name. The God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to thousands of generations. I forgive iniquity. Thank you, Jesus. Rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. 
I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Mercy, compassion, love, this is what dismantles the temple to the law. When we are living our Christian lives, when we are functioning as a church, how often do we worship the list of rules? And when we are tempted to, to just, okay, well, you know, live a moral life and walk along these lines, if I walk on this path, then I'm good. I'm following the word of God. Is it good? Yes. Is it the word of God? Yes. The written word of God. It points us to Jesus. But the father said, this is my son. Listen to him. And then Elijah, he's just had these amazing victories. He has just shown up the gods of this world, he, he, you know, they, they were, the, the prophets of Baal were running around and making this big show and there was no response. And then Elijah builds this altar and the fire of heaven comes down and consumes it. Huge victory. And then he prays for rain. There's been a drought for years, and he prays for rain, torrential rain, okay? Huge victory. He's exhausted, and the king says to him, I'm going to kill you. So he runs. Then he's strengthened by an angel, and then he runs. And he ends up, guess where? On Mount Sinai. And God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, guess what? I've done everything you asked for me to do. And it's not going very well. I'm the only one worshiping you. I'm the only one. And they want to kill me. And so God sends a whirlwind. But he wasn't in the whirlwind. And he sends a fire and an earthquake. But he wasn't in the fire. And he wasn't in the earthquake. And then he was in the still, small voice. He was the still, small voice. So Elijah was obedient. He did everything God asked. And then he was on the run. It didn't look great. And so then after the still, small voice, God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, so I've done everything you asked. And I've said everything that you've told me to say. And I'm the only one who worships you. And they want to kill me. He says the exact same thing, word for word, exact. And the Lord tells him what to do next. He's like, more obedience. Go. Go back. Go back. To that place where they want to kill me? Yep. You go back, and then you anoint this person, and you give authority to this person, and you anoint this person, and you give authority to this person. So he does. He obeys. And in the temptation 
to worship the experience of the God fire and the God whirlwind and the God earthquake. We listen for the still small voice. Jesus, who is the word. The written word points us to Christ. It, it, it is the word of God. It is good. But the law is not to be worshipped. And the experience of knowing God and walking in authority and in power, it points us to Christ. But the experience of God is not to be worshipped. We worship Jesus alone. Only he deserves our worship and praise. Only he deserves that place in our hearts. So I just, Father, we come before you, your children, your sons and your daughters, your church, and we repent of any altars, any temples that we have built to the law and that we have built to the God experience. And we thank you for your forgiveness. We are here to worship your son alone, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Listen, I was just joking earlier. I'm sorry if I coerced you into it by saying this. Uh, I was just joking. If you didn't raise your hand and you were supposed to, you can still come up to me after we're done. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I mean, if you got to go, go. I'm going to give, do a blessing. Trey said he's got to share something. Confirm just how amazing Tuesday in prayer, Matthew heard Revelation 4 from the Lord and read it out (laughs) and led us into a crazy powerful time um, in our prayer room here Tuesday. And um, as I was praying last night for young adults tonight, the Lord took me from Matthew, we're studying the Gospels, into Revelation 4. Um, and then you started reading it this morning, and I was like, okay, Lord. Um, but I felt as, as Josiah began reading it, um, I felt something break off of me, um, just a callus on my heart as, as he was reading it. Um, and I just wanted to read that uh, in Revelation 5 again. Um, in 5.12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And we've been talking on our Sunday nights about Jesus, but also praying that we would have a revelation of his worth. That our motivation for obedience isn't just so that we can be good, oh. but it's because we got a glimpse of him and yes. how worthy he is to be obeyed. It's the only response that makes any sense. And uh, I just felt, I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted to break calluses off of our hearts. Um, you may have been running with the Lord for your whole life, um, and you, or you may be new to it. Um, but sometimes you can hear a prophetic voice and a prophetic word come, and it can hit you and bounce right off. Um, and so this morning, as Josiah read that, I felt something break off, and then the rest of the word, I was like, yes, Lord, this is your word. I want to obey. I want to sit with you in obedience. But um, I don't know if this is a, a time of response we could have. Um, but I feel, if you feel, just even as you're reading, I want to see the worthiness of Jesus and how worthy he is to be obeyed, and I've never seen that. And if you just, or if you just feel, I've been walking with the Lord and I've seen it before, but right now I can't, I can't see it. And I don't know how to obey him in my life. Um, but I just feel Holy Spirit wants to break calluses off of our hearts this morning. Hey, 
Let's stand up. Somebody have something? Somebody say something? Thank you, Trace. Stand up. Changing our posture. This is a group of world changers standing right in this room. And it's not about changing the world, but it's about drawing all men to him. We've been rescued and we're setting captives free. You know that song, it says, uh, all of God's promises are yes and amen. If you actually go read that scripture, I'm going to talk about it next week. Father, I just bless everyone here right now. I say more. More of of, of what you're doing in me, I I ask that you would do that in them. What you've given me on the mountain, I ask that you give them right now. In the name of Jesus. The experience, the tangible experience of the presence of the God who is, I ask that you let them experience that today. Right now in this moment, as they go out to eat with their, their family and friends, whatever they find themselves doing today and throughout the week, that you would give them that experience that I had on the mountain right now. That you would change them from within. Can I put my hand on you? That you would change them. That you would heal their brokenness and that you would set them free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Can I put my hand on you? Fill them right now with, the, with what you gave me. Let them experience that. And if, it's, if they see it, they see something they want, let them know that it's theirs. Father, I pray that you would give us, like Trace said, you would make us aware of your worthiness and of the worthiness of your son Jesus and of our unworthiness, that you would make it so evident, that you would make it so that we would know And so that then, as we hear that, and as we hear your voice, that we have no other choice but to obey. Father, I thank you for this new sister. I pray that you would just continue to surround her with people that will be able to disciple her and speak into her life and that draw her into into a greater knowledge of of your son and of of obedience and and your calling on her. I thank you for her obedience today and her courage today. And I just pray that you would would multiply that in her and anyone else that saw the courage in this sister, that if they want that, that they can have it. You can already impart that to people. You can share in God's creative purposes for your life. You can speak that out. Thank you, Father. I just pray a blessing on everyone here that you would make your face to shine on them. The service begins now. Unless somebody else got something.
God over every person in here. No lies from the enemy. Right now, in the name of Jesus, say, I reject the lies from the enemy. I receive the truth from God. Oh, man. Every individual in here right now, Jesus has his hand on your shoulder. And he knows what you're going through. He knows what he's doing in your heart. Just simply say yes to him. Just say, say yes, Jesus, with me. Yes, Jesus. Say that again. Say, yes, Jesus. We say yes to you, Lord. We surrender to you. Hey, y'all expect some changes in your life today. Expect some transformations in there, okay? And, and, and share it with somebody. Let's talk about it. Let's walk together. And, and do not walk out of this place with some big old heavy burden on your, on your shoulder. Matthew 11, he says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come to Jesus and that's what you get. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Amen? Josiah, thank you for modeling what prophetic ministry is to us today. Uh, I know we're all going to do it in a little bit different way, but that, that was a great model for us. And so let's, let's go get him, y'all. He's right. The service starts now. Let's go for it. God bless you.
something